I'll just note at the beginning of this episode and all of the episodes in this series, some of the things that you may hear uh, will be disturbing or could be disturbing to our listeners. And so I would just suggest that listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the NJ Criminal Podcast. Welcome back to NJ Criminal Podcast. In this episode of the Tiffany Valenti series, you will hear attorney Paul D'Amato driving me in his vehicle as he gives me what he refers to as the tour. He will be driving me around the area near the scene of the incident in which Tiffany Valente was struck and killed by a New Jersey transit train on July 12th of 2015. In this first clip, Paul and I have left his office and are driving towards the Valenti home. So um, right over here is the FAA. And one of the things that we did as part of our initial investigation is to see if they had any surveillance cameras along Wrangell Borough Road, because if they did, the footage, you know, should have picked up Tiffany if she, in fact, had walked from her home, which we don't believe at all, uh, but they had no surveillance cameras at all. So we're, in, now, so we're on Tilton Road approaching Wrangleborough. I'm going to take you to the Valente home. I, I, I spoke to Diane and told her, uh, because they have surveillance cameras outside their home, mm-hmm. and I said, so, I said, you might see me, and she said, no problem. Um, now, what complicated this case is that uh, 10, 12 days after Tiffany dies, uh, the Atlanta County Sheriff's Office brought a bloodhound to the home of Steve and Diane Valente, and they wanted to see where the hound would take them. The hound took them on a trip of about four and a half miles. And what we're gonna do today is I'm gonna show you what the bloodhound said was the, um, hold on one second here. The likely Uh, path. Yeah, the likely path, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hold on. All right, now this street here has no artificial illumination whatsoever. And this is Dressera Yes, right. And the reason this is significant is that the family and friends uh, and coaches of Tiffany Valente knew she had an unusual fear of the dark. Uh, There's actually a psychiatric uh, diagnostic name for it. It's called nyctophobia. And when she would sleep over uh, a girlfriend's home, Tiffany would insist that they um, keep the lights in the hallway on, a light in the bedroom. Uh, She wouldn't even walk in a home unless it was well illuminated. And and on the night in question, 
there was no moonlight whatsoever. Now, this is Manaheim Street, and down here is where uh, Tiffany lived. And that night she had been at a birthday party right across the street at her cousin's home. And... And no sidewalks, I'm noting. Yeah, none. Um, so No sidewalks, no street lamps. That's right. Okay, so if you were to come here at night when there's little or no moonlight and you turn off your head your your the headlamps of your vehicle it's pitch black you you won't even drive you know three or four feet that's how dark it is back here now would you like to see the, the beautiful memorial that the family built for her i would love that okay let's go out all right, so on that tree over there, you see the deer camera. Oh, see I see it? it, yep. Okay. Was that there at the time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now. Oh, that's the camera that was referenced. Yes, okay. where you see her walking. And well, that's right in the driveway. And this is right okay. here. Okay. Now, okay. <laughs> we have had emails from people all through Europe, Australia, all around the United States, okay? And we've had the psychics contact us. Uh, we've had retired law enforcement contact us saying, we'll come there work for free. So the, but one of the, the individuals that contacted us took the photo that you see in the Unsolved Solved Mysteries piece of Tiffany walking down the driveway and try to enhance it and I'll show it to you it's on my phone it there appears to be a person's face so when you see Tiffany mm -hmm. looking to her left why was she looking to her left did somebody call her mm -hmm. we never picked that up before I'll have to take another look at that yeah now the the party was directly across the street to right. the left in that direction right when i initially saw that surveillance photo i thought it was further down the road i didn't realize it was yeah. right here in the driveway okay. so now tiffany who's afraid of the dark uh, allegedly comes down well not allegedly we know she came to the end of her driveway mm -hmm. one of the theories it's just not my theory is it? this is a theories of many many people especially people retired from law enforcement that contend that when she came down here, she, she was picked up in a vehicle. She would not have entered the vehicle unless she knew the people and that she was transported to the point of impact as opposed to walking to the point of impact. So the majority of people are convinced that is what happened. But what threw this in the investigation off that was conducted by the New Jersey Transit Police Department is they're buying into the bloodhound uh, saying that she walked almost five miles. And despite the fact that there had been two significant rains from the time of Tiffany's death until the bloodhound came out. But 
New Jersey Transit would not budge. They would not discount what they thought was a reliable uh, bloodhound. So it was what ten days after. Yeah, ten, eleven days, something like that. Now, so imagine if if you're Tiffany, they're saying that you walk down this street here, no lights, and I've done this at night. Right. And I've turned my headlights up, and I, I can't drive. Now, the bloodhound has her making a right. Okay. And we're going to do that right now. And we're going to be driving to Tilton Road. The uh, family early on checked all the homes on this road to see if they had any surveillance cameras, and they had none. Uh, neither on either side that's right was the i have a question was the party still going on at this point in time very significant point the answer is yes and there were 50 60 people driving their hard cars from tilton road to where the party was so they would have seen a girl that was almost six foot three walking down the street people were still coming to the party yeah. or people were leaving the party uh, they're coming to the party. Got it. Okay. Coming to the party. Yeah, the party was going pretty strong. Where were all of those cars parked? On that roadway? Oh, the roadway, and a lot of them were down the driveways. It's a very long uh, driveway to the home uh, of her cousin. Now, we're, we're about to approach Tilton Road. The bloodhound that was from the Atlanta County Sheriff's Office crosses the road and makes a left. Right. As if we were heading to the White Horse Pike. Mm-hmm. Gotta be very careful around here. It's bad. Okay, we're good. As we're making this left or going down there? No. The, okay. the Bloodhound's making a left. Okay. And if we continued all the way, we would hit the White Horse Pike. And the Bloodhound goes up to right about here, well, let's say it's about 100 yards, but days later, Tiffany's shoes um, and her headband are found farther up uh, Tilton Road, and I'm going to show you the location in a second. There's a cross. Right here. Yeah, right here. Now, is there any significance to the location of where this cross is? Well, oh, yeah, th- th- this is where the, you mean in significance about the location? Right. No. Okay. No. Um, now, for Unsolved Mysteries, they have, their analysis was that Tiffany in a vehicle was taken all the way up here um in fact I'll, let, let's do it i'll show you okay <clears throat> because they because the people associated with unsolved mysteries didn't did not buy into the bloodhound 
they thought that uh, the analysis that was done by Uncle Bob, that's Steve's brother, they thought was a more reasonable explanation. So Uncle Bob has Tiffany in a vehicle driving toward a bridge up here. That bridge goes over the railroad tracks that the transit train was uh, running on. The Bloodhound, does it continue down this road or where did the Bloodhound yeah. take it? We're going to have to turn okay. around. I'm going to okay. show you where, where the Bloodhound went. Okay. If you buy into the fact that Tiffany did not walk from her home to the point of impact, then you have to explain how did she get there? She didn't drive there. She didn't take a bicycle. There were two surveillance videos, one from a Hindu temp temple that I'm going to show you and another from uh, a storage facility. They were analyzed by the prosecutor's office. My investigators, there's no Tiffany Valente shown at the relevant times. Now, who obtained those surveillance? Uh, the New Jersey Transit Police Department. Okay. okay. Now, there is a way that you can drive underneath this bridge. And underneath this bridge was a known uh, hangout. Okay. And if you go about a couple hundred yards to your right where the railroad track is, that's where the point of impact was. Right down over here? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, I'm going I'm to show you something. <clears throat> on the night of the incident, a detective from New Jersey Transit interviews a senior engineer. What did you see? I saw the same thing the student engineer saw. Yeah, we we're right on top of her. She runs right out. All right. They're put under oath. Several days later, we have the transcript. And the senior engineer says, I didn't see anything. My back was turned. Right. Yet on the night in question, he gave false information to the New Jersey Transit detective. Now, let's talk about this student engineer that was not really familiar with this particular track. He had been on before, um, but by his own admission, he was not that familiar with it. And... He gave three different versions of what he saw. Version one, uh, I saw her just when we were on top of her and she jumps out and runs out and we hit her. Version two, I see something a half a mile away. Then I see something a quarter mile away. And then all of a sudden the person is I see a person standing, not moving, and then all of a sudden jumps on to the tracks. Third version is, I see a person jump from the woods 13 feet on the, onto the tracks. It's an impossibility. 
And when you when you see the area that I'm talking about, you're gonna say, "Now I don't buy that version." Now, were, were all three of those versions in in the statement that was under oath, or were they three versions that were given in various statements? Um, one version is contained in the actual reports generated by New Jersey Transit. One version is what while he's under oath, and then the first version is when. Uh, the detective interviews him on the night in question. Now, what I'm doing is I'm making, uh, I'm, we're on the Whitehurst Pike, I'm making the left on Cologne Avenue because we're going to get out of the car at the tracks and I'm going to show you why the student's version of seeing somebody a half a mile away or a quarter mile away has no validity whatsoever because of the support structure for the bridge, which is all concrete, you can't see a damn thing. And, and, you, and you for yourself will see that in a moment. Can you drive to the point of impact or not? You can. Okay. You can. So the location could have been accessible that night by a vehicle. a vehicle. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's get out. Okay, so we're back in the car, and you're going to take me back in to the direction that we just came to right. where the shoes were found. Yeah. Okay, so we're heading east on the Whitehorse Pike, and we're now going to go on Tilton Road. So the path that we just traveled was a path that could have been taken if you presume that Tiffany got into a vehicle. Yeah, you, you could get to the point of impact um, two different ways. Actually, three different ways. And that I was... Would, that was Path number one, or yeah, okay. yeah. So that location of the cross that you showed me a couple minutes ago—that is where her shoes were found. Correct. Now they weren't found immediately, correct? No. Uh, I, I, I want to say 10, 12 days later. And, and that was her mom that found her shoes? Yeah. Now, you know, people have asked about that. Uh, you know, how convenient, how fortuitous that her mother would find the shoes. Well, there was a witness that came forward that saw Diane on the grass, bawling away, screaming, I just found my daughter's shoes. And these shoes we know for a fact that tiffany was wearing them on the night in question because her sisters verified that she had them on and her sister showed me a photograph that tiffany took of her shoes at the party across the street for 
their cousin who had graduated Holy Spirit High School. So, um, those shoes were not found at the scene, and articles of clothing on her body were also missing. Uh, New Jersey Transit immediately viewed this case as a suicide and did not treat it as a crime scene and contaminated the entire area by allowing people, including family members, to walk all around the scene. Now, it is noteworthy that the bloodhound did not walk all the way up to where those shoes were. In fact, it was probably off by maybe about 300 yards. So the bloodhound turns around right about up here mm -hmm. and starts heading back uh, to Raggleberry, Raggleberry Road. Now you'll see to your left an asphalt path. Well, I saw that when we were coming out at the end of our right, street. If right. you had stayed straight, you go right over to this path. Right. The bloodhound went over that path to Rattleboro Road. Now, when you come to this intersection, you will see that there is some uh, street lighting. All right? But just here, once you drive away from this intersection, there's no more artificial illumination. Let me ask you a question. When you come out to the, to the end of, of their street, and initially we made that left, uh, but I did see that pathway straight across that you could walk straight ac across. Right. The, what street is that? What street are we on here? We are on uh, th this is Tilton. Tilton. Right. You cross over Tilton, take that path. Yep. So we would be now driving parallel to that path. Right. Does that path lead to the point of impact? No, the bloodhound has her walking on the grass over here. We're on Rangelboro Road. Bloodhound has her walking all along here. Right here? Yeah. Right to your left, across mm -hmm. the street there. Now, oh wait, hold on. And now we're coming up to the Hindu temple. All right. And we have the surveillance video from there. If she had walked path that the bloodhound said that she walked, that surveillance video would have picked her up. Now, the bloodhound has her making a left on Genoa Avenue. And but for one streetlight, it's completely dark. This is a well-traveled road. I'm presuming yeah. that no one... No one noticed can't. anything. No, nothing. All right. So you now the bloodhound has her walking on the grass, as you see on the left here, and you'll notice no street lights at all. Now this is a dark road. No, yep. no sidewalks. No sidewalks too. Now. If, she, if her shoes were found there on Tilton Road, she's walking this distance in her bare feet. Right well, there, and it's the right other... Right there is the only street light, right there. Right, I mean, it's the other direction, too. Her shoes were found, you would have had to make a left on Tilton Road. To get to this location, she would have had to make a right. So it's... Yeah. All right, so... It doesn't, it doesn't seem... It seems... doesn't seem as though she would have taken her shoes off at that location. Yeah. And then walked, you know... 
All right, now we're crossing uh, Aloy Avenue, and there is a storage facility from which they had the um, surveillance video. No, nothing on this, any of the surveillance? Nothing. Now we're crossing over train tracks again. Yeah. Where's the point of impact from this location? I'm going to show you now. We're going to get out. All right. Now, I want to show you. Um, we're going to go to this other memorial that they have for Tiffany. But, but keep in mind that she supposedly walked on that road with stones and glass. And I, just, I want you to get an appreciation of how far this is, okay? Mm -hmm. And we're back heading back on. Uh, this is uh, a no, it's not Aloy. I forget. Yeah, Al yeah, this Al is Aloy. Aloe, 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 Aloe. Yeah. And when I say it's pitch black, it is just, it's, it's, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. that, that's why I refuse to believe that she walked in. Now, you know, um, there are people that a very few, you know, a few people that say, that it must have been rather traumatic for this 70-year-old to admit that she's a gay woman. Um, according to the family, male and female's grandma, aunts and uncles, she was very secure with her position. You know, this traumatic experience, like some people uh, want to believe. Uh, I spoke to both parents at length, and they said, "Listen, we accepted it. Uh, you know, they weren't. They thought maybe this was just a, a passing interest, but they accepted it, and there was no ramifications, no punishment because she she came out and said she was gay." And although she had had a recent breakup, she had a new girlfriend, yeah. is that right? Yeah, let me, I, I was told by reliable people that Tiffany was in demand by other young girls. Uh, some of them wanted to experiment as to what it would be like to be with a woman, and uh, others just, you know, you know, like Tiffany, and supposedly some of the girls that experimented, their boyfriends were really upset uh, that the fact that they had had a relationship with Tiffany. Now, you saw how far we drove, right? 
Right. We we drove back down and you made a right into a little pathway. What? Where are we right now? Okay. We are. That's a Atlantic City Electric station right back here, and I'm taking you to the memorial that was built um, by Tiffany's parents and family members. And now this is the memorial. And you're free to take photographs of it. We can get out. Tiffany Lane. Yeah. Um, we have video of the interviews that were done by a detective in the Atlanta County Prosecutor's Office. And these individuals that the manager of the convenience store um, he identified them they voluntarily came uh, oh yeah uh, they they voluntarily came to came to the prosecutors that were interviewed but if you look at the transcripts of the interview they had spoken to each other beforehand uh, the, the four of them because it some of the answers were exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm often asked, do you have an idea who's responsible for this? Okay, and I'm going to be candid with you, especially you as an attorney would appreciate this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really and truly don't know. I mean, you know, you, you, to say that someone is responsible for this horrific event, you have to have something. It can't be mere suspicion or, you know, their answers didn't sound right. So, you know, that's why if the day comes that we learn exactly what happened, I won't be surprised because it could have been anybody. Right. Yeah? Right. Going back to those four uh, people that were interviewed someone overheard them speaking is that right yeah a manager of a wawa overheard three of his employees talking about tiffany was taking a gunpoint and so forth and so on and he called my office and i i never speak to witnesses i always use investigators because yeah, I don't want to be a witness to what they said. Sure, I understand and, and that. Now, how long after after the incident did this occur? You know, I haven't been asked that question in mm -hmm. a while. Uh, I don't know. When we go back to the office, I'll, 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 I'll tell you. So I sent um, Chuck Atkinson, who used to work in the intelligence unit of the New Jersey State Police and who's now a licensed private investigator, I said, you interview him. Uh, he generated a summary of what the interview was all about. And then we sent the report to the Atlanta County Prosecutor's Office. And that's when they, they brought this individual in. And he was interviewed. Um, and we have that interview. The store owner? Yeah, the, the mm -hmm. manager of the Wawa. Got yeah. it. So now we're driving, uh, we're going to go back. 
And um, where, where are you going okay, to Okay, now we're now? on Chilton Road. We're going to make a right-hand turn on the White Horse Pike, heading towards Atlantic City. And then I'm going to take you to an area which which will be the third area that you could access the specific area where Tiffany's body came in contact with the train. Now, so there's three total places that it could have that location could have been accessed by. You got it. Three. you a few minutes ago when we were outside of the car if the family had ever ever had a discussion with the the kids about not walking along the train tracks because they had or was there ever any indication that the the train tracks were a location that Tiffany had gone to either on foot or in a vehicle yeah. and you had said no everyone that we spoke to said now this is this Delorado's flea market area okay. And when okay, so I, we're turning in, this is a flip, yeah, of the White Horse Pike. Now we're gonna get out of the car here, and tell me what we're gonna say. Okay, we are. Uh, we're gonna walk, I think, less than a hundred yards to the exact point of impact between Tiffany's body and the train. So. When I was first contacted by the family and we took what we call the tour that I've taken you on, um, the gate that you see here was open and we confirmed that on the day and night in question, this gate was open. So if Tiffany was in a pickup truck, she could, the driver could have taken the White Horse Pike, and drove right back there. It's a level area. As you can see, the grass is manicured almost perfectly. And that is a way they could have gotten there. So we're, we're back in the car, and yeah. you uh, just took me to uh, the point of impact. Right. Which, again, would you say... Maybe it's about 75 yards from the White Horse Pike. Correct. I would say that. Yeah. All right. So now we're heading <clears throat> east on the White Horse Pike to Atlantic City. But we're going to make a right to the um, location where I took you before. Um, One thing I wanted to point out that we discussed when we were out of the car was uh, <clears throat> that there very close to the point of impact there was an axe that was recovered and how far away from uh, was it found did you say I would say 50 60 feet okay and it was found and it was taken into evidence by New Jersey Transit logged and, into evidence oh yeah and when I was able to get a court order requiring transit to um, send the various articles of evidence 
to a private DNA lab in Ohio. Um, and Dr. Julie Hennick, who's the executive director of the lab, uh, called me up and said that um, any of the testing they did was for naught because Transit had not properly maintained the evidence and had put most of it in plastic bags and mold developed and contaminated the evidence. Okay, now what, what pieces of evidence other than the axe are you referring to? Um, you know... You I'm, have the log. Yeah, I have the log. Let, let me get everything yeah. for you. I think the, the, the one thing that's important, there has to be some indication of what happened to the axe while in evidence. It's yeah. either got to still be there, um, you know, or there should at least at a minimum, in my opinion, be someone who could be assigned to right. look into that and determine uh, if it, you know, what happened to it. So we're, we're heading back to your office and we're turning back down on Tilton Road. Yeah. So the, uh, in the end, uh, I think all your viewers are going to say that the, the investigation that was conducted by the New Jersey Transit Police Department has put Steve and Diane Valenti in the situation where they are, which is that it's been a seven-year fight to get information uh, for the purpose of determining what happened to um, their daughter. And, and I interviewed probably at this point 50, 60 friends and relatives. All of them, including Tiffany's volleyball coach from Stockton University, um, have said she wasn't depressed. There was, you know, there's no reason that she would have to die by suicide. So, you know, and there were some young girls that said, you know, um, Tiffany was unhappy, but another friend said she would conveniently be the drama queen when it, it was appropriate or would help her advance her cause. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I just can't believe that so many people could be wrong about her, uh, you know, uh, not being in a state of depression. <laughs> and, you know, so when you look at everything, um, now, I have, in my career, this case is one of three cases involving suicide that I've been involved in. And not that I'm an expert, but I consider myself somewhat well-read on the topic. Um, and the, um, if you look at the statistics that are maintained by the United States Department of Transportation, regarding uh, 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 verified suicides on railroad tracks, 95% um, of them are men as opposed to women. When women commit suicide, their, their method is usually drugs. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's some way that is less violent 
than having to stand in front of a train. Um, so, and, and you know, the uh, a good medical examiner's office will have its investigators do a psychological autopsy uh, of a decedent. So that wasn't done in this case. And so I did it. And we obtained, we did everything that is my law firm, we did everything that a medical examiner's office would do because I had the direction of Louise Hausman, who was an investigator for the Atlantic County Medical Examiner's Office when it existed. And so we got every single medical record on her. There wasn't any indication of um, uh, depression. Absolutely none. The actual toxicological report was negative for alcohol and drugs. Um, Given the fact that there was no uh, observed depression in Tiffany and had the detectives of the New Jersey Transit Police Department done that psychological autopsy, you know, they, 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 may, they may have used a rape kit uh, on her body, which wasn't done. And the, uh, I, I will be really interested in your thoughts, if you have time, uh, on when you, when you see the, the body itself, what you think, you know, given your background. Um, do you have a time issue? No, I do uh, not. I okay. was surprised that there was not a rape kit done. Yeah. Um, I was... Now, and the, the medical examiner would have uh, been in control of the scene initially. Uh, no, no, the answer is, from, from my reading of the reports, somebody from the medical examiner's office came much later after New Jersey Transit. New Jersey Transit was there first. Did the Atlantic County Prosecutor's Office come out? No. They were contacted, but they didn't come out. No. They never came out to the scene that night? Nope. Nope. Now... That surprises me. I thought that they would have had to have come out to yeah. uh, any, any death that was uh, unexplained. Yeah. Now... Um, there, there is an issue here, uh, and I, I've spoken to representatives of the prosecutor's office. Their position is it was an event that took place uh, on, on New Jersey Transit tracks, and it was a New Jersey Transit train. New Jersey Transit Police Department has primary jurisdiction along with the Attorney General's Office of the State of New Jersey. These representatives from the County Prosecutor's Office said, if the Attorney General's Office asked us to do certain things, we of course would have done it. But they never asked us. Now, by my shaking the trees, we were able to get the Prosecutor's Office three different times to investigate this case they could have said no to me but they didn't and 
And to be fair to that office, they said, Paul, there's a lot of suspects here, but we don't have any concrete evidence to take this to a grand jury and seek an indictment against somebody. But they said, if you ever get anything, bring it to us and we'll evaluate it. Now, um, I was interviewed by Unsolved Mysteries for seven and a half hours. And, and one of the things that I brought out was after I became involved in the case and the prosecutor's office was conducting an investigation, um, in order for them to get a court order for uh, Tiffany's cell phone records, um, uh, they had to indicate that it was a criminal investigation, which they did. Mm-hmm. Which they did. Did um, did the and, and and when was the CDW the communication data warrant on her phone obtained? Yeah, I, right I, after. I, no, no, no. Oh, here's another issue. Um. Because what I ask before I forget why yeah. I ask is because I was just curious if it was a, they were able to do any type of uh, GPS location on where the phone had been, okay. which they often do, at least in uh, cases I have. Yeah. A couple of years later, let me go back a little bit. I would periodically meet uh, with people in the Atlantic County Prosecutor's Office. In one of my meetings, I want to say maybe the second year after Tiffany's death, I learned that the Northfield office of the FBI, that they had one of their key persons uh, do a uh, triangulation mm-hmm. with the phone. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so they did do that. Yeah, and it, it, it never left the area within the three cell towers, which is the area that I took you to okay. today. So but that talk- doesn't mean that it couldn't have been... It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean for sure that the phone was dropped by Tiffany at the location it was found. Agreed. 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 Now, here's... Uh, here's something that... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go. Let me go. You want to go? Um, in the night in question, uh, some of Tiffany's friends came to the Valente home and Diane overheard one of the girls going, where's Tiffany's phone? And one of the girls was looking at the phone doing certain things. Was this before or after she... After, after it was known that she died. So after her dad picked it up towards the end of the driveway, right? one of the friends took it? It was in the house. They had learned that Tiffany had died, which I think was like... It was after midnight. Mm-hmm. And the her friends were seen looking at the phone. What they were doing, nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when a phone is searched, you can still find deleted yeah. things that are deleted. Sometimes yeah. you can, sometimes yeah. you can't. So, yeah. but that—that that is 
certainly interesting. I'd be I would be interested to see what if anything had been deleted if it, if it was still able to be retrieved from the phone. Well, I'll show you the, the cornerstone search. Uh, my files like this. Mm -hmm. I may not be able to give you. Um, what, what I want to do is, I, I want to, uh, what time is it? Okay, yeah, uh, Carolyn, my legal assistant, is still there. There are certain things that she can photocopy while you, you, you mm -hmm. and I are looking at the photos that were taken by the New Jersey Transit. Mm -hmm. The, um, I have read, uh, various journals as to what happens to the human body when it comes to in contact with a train doing 80 miles per hour. Right, and that's something that we had talked about a few minutes ago when we were out at the scene. Yeah. So, what would you expect to see? Well, you, you, you would, from what I have read, you would see a body that was in little pieces all over the place. In this particular case, and I'll be curious about your reaction to it. It seems that her arms and her legs and head were like surgically removed from the torso. Mm -hmm. And, um, hold on one second, let me get over here before these other cars start coming. Well, which, which I guess could be more consistent with her body being laid across the tracks yeah. or laying across the tracks. Or was an axe used to um, chop the body up? I, 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 I right. you know, I, I, you just... You I just, guess, yeah, I guess really the question becomes right now, what do you think law enforcement ought to do with, uh, with the facts that they have? What, what hasn't been done that you're unable to do as a private citizen, that yeah. law enforcement would have the power to do through search warrants, subpoena, etc. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to, yeah. because we talked about the, right. the body's and, been cremated. And, and I'll tell you what it has to be done. There are certain key people, and in fact, investigator Jim Bernstein is coming uh, 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 with me. <laughs> is coming with me to the meeting uh, with the Atlantic County Prosecutor on November 16th, and we're going to have a list of people that we think should be interviewed. Um, if, if one of her friends knew that Tiffany was going to commit suicide, and maybe they have guilt that they didn't prevent it, uh, Maybe they have guilt that they never told the family. Why can't they come out now and say, listen, I, you know, I can't stand you suffering, you know, any longer. Your daughter, the bad, you know, was going to take her own life. Why doesn't somebody come forward? So, and, and we've, it, it, with all the media attention this case has gotten, I have asked over and over and over again, uh, that question, and nobody comes forward. Nobody. Did you see the piece that was done on NJ.com? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, see, that goes to the incompetency of the medical examiner's mm -hmm. office. 
It does. Yeah. It does. And I did read that, and that touches on a couple different cases. Mm. Um, so yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a concern, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And um, now, oh, we had a local plastic surgeon look at a diagram that shows the cuts on Tiffany's body. Mm -hmm. And he said, these were man-made. This didn't come from the train. Right. And that's significant. I mean, the question becomes, are there any other train fatalities uh, that you can compare the results of the injury too, to see if this is ever, uh, this type of injury has ever occurred. All right. Um, I'd be the, interested to see it. You, yeah, I, let me see if I can find the articles. I have so many articles on this and there's, there's a great, oh, if you go to our website, we have a whole section on Tiffany Valente. It has all the lawsuits, it has everything. But it also has some very good articles about how medical examiner's office, let me go back. There's a great article that says we don't have national standards on how do you classify a death as um, suicide, undetermined, accidental. We don't have national standards. So you have variations in offices within a certain state. See, that that is a, ma- a major major issue. So let's go upstairs and let me show you some of this stuff, and um, you'll have a lot of reading. And uh, we'll try to get to the bottom of it. Okay. This podcast is not a source of legal advice. No two legal cases are the same. Contact an attorney if you require legal assistance. The best way to follow, subscribe, rate, or message the show is to visit njcriminalpodcast.com. Podcasting is a powerful sales tool with digital marketing benefits. If you're interested in law firm podcasting, simply dial 239-351-5575 and ask for Tom. That's 239-351-5575. Or go to lawfirmpodcasts.com to schedule a call.